calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover. And you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Okay, here's how Miro works. See, it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another hundred meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance and save by bundling auto and home. everybody and welcome uh, to this spoiler review for she-hulk episode three from the geek <laughs> buddies <gasps> hey! i was really curious if you were going to be able to get the a out <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm feeling better today i'm feeling a little more normal so yeah the last five days have been hell on earth with this covid thing but i woke up this morning and my body said hey i think you're all right and i said my mind said i don't think so are you sure? Take a walk around, get some breakfast. And sure enough, it felt okay. So I reached out to my boy, Shannon, who said he was down to do a review. So we're going to do the review. And unfortunately, we don't have Michael Vogel with us today because he's at Burning Man. And I hope he doesn't get COVID for the seventh time. I don't know how many times he's had it. Uh, so we're going to try to get through this review, have some fun discussing this episode. So if I cough or if I have to take a moment, 
please forgive me, but this is the first thing I'm doing since I caught this thing and feel like I'm in a normal place. So uh, I will say this, Shannon, to, to everybody watching or listening, do not get this thing. Do not get this thing. And for everybody that got it and was like sniffles or whatever, kiss my ass because the rest of us who got it real hardcore, it is not a cool thing. So anyway, it's not like turning green though, Shannon. It's not like being in an abomination. That, you know, I, This is something that I can actually hopefully pass through my body and be out of it. Um, how are you feeling? How are you doing? How are things going on in your world before we jump in? Yeah, things are, you know, things have, uh, uh started to pick up a little bit, um, episodically, which yes. is, you know, TV. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, you know, we, we texted about it earlier that this industry continues to break my heart <laughs> <laughs> one audition after the other. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't complain. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I am getting, uh, called in for a lot of the same shows which is a good, good sign that means they like you they just yeah. haven't found the right part yet um even though some of those parts really felt right to me john okay. um, no surprise no surprise but but, but uh yeah i can't complain you know yeah, uh, things yeah. are things are going well strawberry shortcake you know is airing on uh, on youtube and apparently i didn't know this our second season which yeah. is airing on YouTube now is going to be going to Netflix uh, later this month. Nice. So, well, a little bit sooner than than I was expecting. So, congratulations to you and Mike. There are some very very funny episodes um, that have dropped on YouTube and some still to come. So, I'm I'm excited for it to uh, get out there to a wider audience. There you go. And that's Shannon McClung, who's a writer and actor. Uh, and producer, I think I would call producer on this situation uh, in his life. Uh, I am John Roca, writer, producer, uh, voiceover artist here uh, on the uh, Outlaw Nation and for the Geek Buddies. And we definitely want to give some love to the uh, to uh, Carbon Health, who powers and sponsors us here on the Geek Buddies slash the Outlaw Nation. We appreciate them madly continuing their support of everything we do here. They love being a part of uplifting communities that talk about nerdy things that bring people together to share their joys and thing of things. So they're an awesome sponsor uh, that we have here on the show. They've got 110 plus locations all over the country, 80 locations in California alone. They definitely take care of you when it comes to the COVID side of things. I certainly have my boy Dom reach out to me and say, because they've got places in Northern San Diego. He said, if there's any, any complications or anything like that, I can get you in right now with anybody you need. So they really came through for me big time. They've got an app that you can download and have in your pocket as a dock in your pocket. So you can find out where the latest places are or get some virtual care for yourself as well at carbonhealth.com. All right, that's it for that part of the uh, equation. Let's I've, jump into the. Oh, what do you I've got? got it. I've got it right there. There it is. There's the app. <laughs> Get on it, people. Get on it. All right, let's jump into this episode three here. The People versus Emil Blonsky, and never has a title been written that was more accurate than that. With the basic premise of this show is Jen Walters coming into her own even more as a lawyer defending Emil Blonsky here in a parole hearing, trying to get him released in a parole hearing him, hear him with his seven soulmates. They've got this meditation retreat that they want to build, except the complications, as we saw at the end of the last episode, is that Abomination broke out and went to a kumite with Wong because Wong had to prove himself as a Sorcerer Supreme, and now he's back having to convince people that he is good to be released here and that he didn't just break the rules and break out on his own. And on the, and the B story is dealing with Dennis and his ability to be tricked into by an elf, a shape-shifting elf from Asgard named Rune, who, who pretended to be Megan the Stallion for, uh, for um, poor Dennis, 
and suckered him into giving $175,000 of his money to her. So a lot of fun with both of these stories, these A and B stories, and some Easter eggs that we're going to get to near the end of the show. But Shannon, overall, what did you think about this third episode here of She-Hulk? I thought it was okay. Okay. Um, I want it to be funnier. That's, that's the biggest thing. Funnier. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, for a comedy, I, f- I feel like the, the humor has to come a little more fast and furious. Gotcha. I think all the performances across the board, for the most part, are, are good. Uh, I think you have some smaller uh, smaller roles that um, I don't think quite are, are, are checking the box for me. Um, but ultimately, I want to know what happens. I mean, is this just hmm. going to be sort of a week-to-week uh, uh you know, law procedural. If that's the case, you know, that's, that's what the show is giving us, even though they do set up what seems like going, what seems like is going to be sort of a bigger story going down, going down the road by the end of the episode. Yeah. With the record. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and Tatiana Maslany continues to be incredibly charming. Um, Again, there's some little directorial things that I'm kind of like, huh, that, you know, as evidenced by uh, some of the comments on our last YouTube review, uh, yeah. some people really don't care about. And apparently we are just sticklers. Um, yeah. But, you yeah. know, that's why that's how we watch stuff. And that's why yeah. we do this. I because... hope that's why you all watch. You may be upset about it, but I think we get into the nitty gritty of things. That's why I think our show is so unique. You've got a showrunner, Michael Vogel. You've got a writer who's involved in constructing overall stories like Shannon in multiple animated series. And you've got a guy like me who's been doing this for about six years now. So you've got three different perspectives, but from the inside, outside, and somewhere in the middle. So I think that's a good thing. Anyway, go ahead, Shannon. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that we got a little bit of action, even mm-hmm. though this is pro- this is you know not going to be an action show. I mean, this is mm-hmm. as they said, this is a this is a comedy, this is a sitcom. Um, you know, and and I think the the lack of budget is is uh, present in in some of the actions in some of the action um, um, shots, just because you know you want to see as She Hulk, you want to see Jen Walters uh, uh, tear some dudes up, and mm-hmm. it's quick. It's you know, and there's a lot of quick cuts, but uh, just the fact that we do get the wrecking crew introduced, which I thought as soon as uh, it was uh, Pile Driver who came around the corner <laughs> in a helmet, I'm like, oh, we're getting the wrecking crew. Okay, yeah. maybe I read that. I don't. I, I can't remember if I did. Um, but having Benedict Wong show up in this episode, a lot of fun. Um, Tim Roth. I mean, th- th- there are some like little scripting things that it's like it, it's it's movies and TV. It's like why don't you just say what's happening? Why are you why are you playing coy right now? If you would just say this, if you would just say the thing, the problem would be solved. But you know that's a TV show. Yeah, I think for me overall, this is as you said at the beginning here. This is Tatiana Maslany's to carry. And although she has that moment in the car where she says like, um, what does she say? Oh, just don't forget whose show this is. I think that's a great meta moment that actually worked for me, even though she was admitting and taking her hands off the steering wheel and admitting that they were getting guests for every week, guest stars for every week. She's saying, don't forget whose show this is. And certainly throughout this episode, it is very well hammered home that it is her show. We're seeing her grow and understanding of like, okay, I am a She-Hulk, but I'm also, which I hate that name, she says, but I'm also a lawyer. I've got a job to do here. How am I going to mirror the two? And it's curious that when she's at um, uh, at the firm, she is She-Hulk. But when she's defending Blonsky, she stays Jennifer Walters. So that's an interesting twist because certainly uh, Holloway said, I want you as She-Hulk and She-Hulk only. So maybe she only has to be She-Hulk when Holloway is in the room. 
but not necessarily when she's out there defending Blonsky. I well, like- at the Supermax prison, they said she couldn't be in oh, She-Hulk right. form. Oh, okay. They said Sorry. that. Okay, guys, I've got COVID. Give me a break. So, yeah, all right, that's fair <laughs> enough. I forgot about that. She can't turn. But then again, he turned into his power. So I guess they're saying if anybody does, it sets the alarm off. Is that what they're saying? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and he all wasn't right. supposed to do that. Like, Yeah, fair uh... enough, fair enough. <laughs> Either way, I like that we're getting a chance to see her as normal Jen Walters defending the case versus when she's She-Hulk out in the public when she's not in that prism. That's basically what I'm trying to say with my point is that we're getting a good balance of Tatiana Maslany, the human actress, and then the She-Hulk uh, in this uh, in this format that, that Tatiana is doing. So I like that balance. Really enjoyed the comedy with Wong. I mean, dude, he is so good. Benedict Wong is so good at comedy, these comedic moments, these little moments. I mean, and him dropping stuff like the mirror dimension and the shadow dimension, you know, connecting to Spider-Man, connecting to Thor, very current. It's called Synergy, folks. It works so well. And the Dennis stuff does bother me. I will say this. I agree with you, Shannon. A little bit of the comedy is a bit on the nose. It's a bit easy. It's low-hanging fruit. And I get it. Ladies may be watching this going, you don't know what it's like to live in a world full of Dennis's. And I totally respect that. I just think for me, the Dennis character is so obviously an idiot and a dumbass that the comedy seems like low-hanging fruit. His just desserts don't feel as satisfying because he's really an idiot. And so it doesn't quite have the same weight. Although the humor works in the fact that he'd be stupid enough to believe he was with Megan the Stallion. I do enjoy that. Overall, though, I think the character is so shallow that it doesn't quite work. But Pug... Pug has been a nice revelation. Josh Segura, I haven't seen his other stuff on CW or anything, so other people are talking about how much they love seeing him play this character. This is kind of a new actor for me in my world, so I love what I'm seeing from him, and I like that he's on Team Jen and their interactions here with Nikki and Jen. This little trio that's forming at this law firm is going to be fun for sure. And what's really great is to see Tim Roth even more of, of a relaxed approach even more of a like understanding approach. And this lets us feel better for him when he comes and uh, becomes a part of the Thunderbolts, which I imagine is going to happen. And especially that little um, recommendation at the end that he can't turn into abomination. Uh, it, that's the condition of his parole. And he'll be set with a monitor, which is very reminiscent of Suicide Squad. So I wonder how that's going to play itself out if he does become a part of the Thunderbolts, how that's going to come into play. So all of that, I liked for the most part, but I do think the humor is a bit too easy at times and it does ruin the overall feeling of the show to a degree, right? I still enjoy the show, but it does ruin a little bit of it. As I said, when I first tweeted, a lot of high highs and some low lows. Uh, Now, before we get into the main um, uh, storyline here in the show, let's take a quick break for our listeners, our audio listeners. We'll be right right back right after this. Oh, I wasn't prepared. Oh, Shannon. Terrible. All right, let's, jump this thing. let's jump into the main <laughs> storyline here. We've hinted around and let's talk about Jennifer Walters here. So much happened for her in this episode. You know, she meets with Blonsky. They talk about the Sean uh, Chi stuff. Uh, uh, we talk about Wong. She has interactions with Wong, gets him to testify. They have a fun back and forth about uh, what Wong needs to do to in order to kind of like help her out in this case. She talked about erasing memories, talking about the dimensions, as I mentioned earlier. But we also hear see her navigating this uh, kind of subplot within the main plot of her story with Nikki about claiming her story, about chiming in on this, about not letting other people run with this stuff. We see YouTube commentary making fun of the people who were, you know, making fun of the show before it even came out. You know, I get why Marvel needs to take those shots. I do think it's punching down, but I get why they want to take those shots. 
Uh, and then we see this whole thing going on with her trying to navigate um, being a being a lawyer for Blonsky, how she's defending him. And then eventually we see her confronting um, the wrecking crew at the end. And that shot of her at the end, looking at herself in the window of that car, kind of understanding that she has she is becoming a superhero, whether she wants to be or not. She is becoming a superhero. So how did you think they handled the Jen Walters storyline slash She-Hulk storyline in this episode? Shannon, what stood out for you? What didn't work for you? Let us know. Well, I think right from the beginning, um, you know, again, we, we as we're watching things, we sort of uh, develop an expectation of what's going to happen. And more often than not, yeah. especially with trailers, uh, more often than not, we're left disappointed because we construct these things, um, these sort of imaginary scenarios in our head. And then we yeah. see what is actually presented. It's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that works, too. Um, <laughs> and so I think there's a couple examples of that. And and this is, you know, not the show's fault. This is all on me. Right. Um, at, like I eat breakfast while I watch She-Hulk. And then I watch it again and make my notes. But as I was eating breakfast, yeah. um, it was as she was saying, like, hey, this isn't a uh, guest of the week. This isn't a cameo yeah. every week, like, even though there's Bruce, even though there's Blonsky, even though there's Wong. Um, as the title card was coming up, I went to go pause it because I was going to get a refill of my coffee. And I saw another graphic come up. And I'm like, oh, my God, if they do She-Hulk Attorney at Law with special guest star Wong in the title, I was going to lose my mind. Um, <laughs> that's not what happened. I mean, that right. was, it, was a, it was a transition to, the, to, a, to a news show, which you know, was a great transition. But that was just one of those things like, oh, please, please, please. Um, something that started right off the bat, and I know yeah. this is insanely nitpicky, but if you're watching these back to back to back, yeah. Um, we end episode two and Jen is feeling good yes. until she talks to Holloway and she turns on the news and find out and finds out that Blonsky has escaped. Right. Um, as she's coming into the prison, she shows her ID to the guard. She kind of gives him a casual smile. And for me, that bumped me right away. I was like, you're mad. You would be mad. <laughs> like yeah. You would be irritated. Like, why are you? Why are you casually smiling at this guy? But again, that's a small directorial thing that mm -hmm. was like, that. Ah, no, no, like you, you should look irritated right now. Um, as she goes in and is talking with Blonsky and he's, again, he's so laid back. Yeah. He's just like, oh, well, you know, I was forced to come out. So the way he's presenting the information, we don't know if we actually believe him yeah. because he's so casual about it. And this is one of those situations in a TV show where the problem is solved if everyone just lays their cards on the table. Yeah, right. And yeah. Yeah, And, you know, you kind of have to get, uh, you know, a, a little bit into the scene to when he finally says, well, this is what happened. It was, you know, it was the, you know, uh, the Sorcerer Supreme, the Master of the Mystic Arts, Wong. And, you know, it transitions over to Nikki, which I thought was a, a really, really nice transition. The, the, uh, his uh, social media page, I, I can't remember, was it, was it a LinkedIn page? Yeah, it was a LinkedIn where, page, yeah. Where, where he had uh, <laughs> Sorcerer Supreme, Librarian of Commerce, Target. <laughs> Target, <laughs> which I thought was, <laughs> I thought, I thought that was super, super funny when she, when she gets to meet him. Oh, well, first we get to meet, um, Mallory book. Yes. Pr Mallory played book. by a cameo. Yes. Yeah. Played by, uh, Angelica Schuyler herself, yeah. uh, Renee Lisa, uh, Goldsberry. Goldsberry. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously we're going to see her, we imagine coming down uh, oh, yeah. a little bit. Um, the introduction to Dennis, which I know Dennis is like the, the B story, the introduction to Dennis, I don't disagree with you, John. Right. Um, 
you know what? Let's we'll save that for his. Story. Yeah, well, that's going to uh, be the second. Yeah, we'll talk about the Dennis storyline as the B storyline for sure. Yeah, um, her her interaction with Wong, I I thought was a lot of fun. Again, yeah. Benedict Wong is just he he's such a charming performer. He's so magnetic. Um, he's just one of those guys you like to watch. Um, getting to the rest of the the uh, the trial, not the the the, uh, the hearing. What yeah. what is it? The, the thing that he's up, hearing, yeah. the parole hearing. Yes, the word just fell out of my head. Um, <laughs> I wanted those actors, these sort of character witnesses. I wanted them to be funnier. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I agree with you. I, it felt like those were just kind of too quick, and they were done to show a little bit of humor. But some more of the back and forth. Although we did go back to each of them a second time, I just think there should have been more there too. I agree with you on that. Sorry, go ahead, keep going. I mean, it was like generally when you think of a parole hearing, like you think of like Shawshank Redemption, you think about Morgan Freeman coming in <laughs> at the beginning. And and that's, you know, that's what this is supposed this yeah. that's what this is supposed to be like, like a parole hearing for an inmate is done at the prison, right. uh, at least the, at least the way it's been presented in film and television. So it just it, the whole scene just it just felt off to me. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was a writing thing if, or if it was those performers, but I'm like, I feel like they should be a lot funnier. Like the, the toilet wine, the toilet kombucha. I'm like, yeah, yeah I mean, I guess. I mean, you know, it was an easy joke. It was a community I mean, college joke for I, a higher college show. Yeah. It, it yeah, just I, felt it's like, like it, right? Yeah. I could see, I could see reading that on the page and being like, oh, okay. And then you have the guard, you you know, you have the guard who's you know you know super uh, super yeah. emotional. Um, yeah, the the whole thing you just you just want to be funnier, like yeah. you just want a harder comedic punch. Yeah. And you know what? It's hard. Like it, it's really really hard. On some of the shows that I've worked on in the past, we will have rooms where the only job of the room for the day is to take a script and make it funnier hmm. and it's difficult. And, and sometimes the results, you know, they're not always successful. Um, so, I mean, I do understand like, you know, making a comedy, you know, I, I can't remember who said it, but they said, you know, drama is easy. Comedy, comedy's hard. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I do, I do sympathize because, you know, making a comedy is, is difficult. Um, when we get to Nikki wanting her to do this interview, yeah. Um, that was a great sort of arc of arc of the episode is like, you know, take control, take control of your, you know, they're going to, they're going to do their story yeah. regardless. Yeah. You may as well be a part of it. Yeah. Um, and then by the end, when we do get the wrecking crew and we do get like that sort of realization, like, Oh, that's right. I can whip the shit out of these guys. Right. <laughs> and she's tossing them back and forth. And then I thought that was an interesting moment to end on the, the looking at herself in the the reflection in the in the window yeah. and kind of like where okay what does she think about herself right now also <laughs> abominate turning into abomination and having everybody flip out oh, it's man. like well this thing seems like it works like he's, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's going anyplace i think just overall the construction of that storyline just felt a little awkward to me, mm-hmm. despite the fact that you have some really good performers doing good work. Yeah, there was an interview a few weeks ago before the show came out. I can't remember who it was. It was the, if it was Jessica Gao or some or the or Kat Coyro. I can't remember who was in, in the in the interview. I wish I had it for reference right now because I just thought of it as you were think as you were talking here. They said, you know, I don't really know how to write a courtroom scene, so or, or a trial show. So to me, that gave me pause. I'm like. Well, this is a lawyer. You should probably know how to write a trial scene or trial uh, type uh, thing that carries on for a bit. 
Um, but and I thought they actually did a better job with the trial, which we'll get to in the B story, than they did with the pro board hearing. I agree with you. I did like the character actors they chose to be on the pro board. I thought that was a nice choice. So shout out to the cast director for that. I thought that both of the the black woman and the white guy both like kind of established themselves firmly at mm-hmm. the positions of power they had within the board. The back and forth with Jen was good, but I agree there were moments like their reaction in horror of oh my god to abomination. It seemed a bit odd, especially because they're in the prison. Is that the first time someone's turned their powers on during a parole board hearing? I, I, I would hesitate to believe that, especially if these are seasoned, which seem to be seasoned, older veteran people involved in these parole board situations at this particular prison that houses superhumans. So I would imagine supervillains, probably I would imagine that uh, it's not their first time. So their reaction, yeah, I agree with you. Also, as I already chimed in already, agree with you, the back and forth with some of those people testifying. But I think this was a great showcase for Tatiana Maslany. I mean, her adapting and improvising to what was happening with Wong showing up late, uh, with uh, him turning into abomination. By the way, I loved him putting his feet, his little slippers down. That was great. Um, the seven soulmates there. I think that's the first time we've seen the seven soulmates, so it was great to see them having um, Emil Blonsky na- do them by name, I thought was really great. But he also leaves her with a nice bit of wisdom right at the end, doesn't he? He's like, you know, they're going to talk about you one way or another, so why not be involved in how they're talking about you and give your two cents, which echoes what Nikki had said earlier, right? They're going to create this narrative why don't you be part of the narrative? So certainly, I think the show accomplished that as kind of a, a running under, uh, what do you call it, a, a subplot or an underlining story element here that her her having to kind of embrace the fact that she is the She-Hulk, that even though she may not like the name, this is how they're coming to get to know her. So why not come out there and speak your truth about the situation, get your story out there? And something I've discovered is if you tell your truth and you tell your side of the story, you're going to be surprised about how many people actually see your point of view, even though the loud minority is going to seem like the overwhelming uh, majority. Most of the time, the overwhelming majority doesn't have the time to chime in and speak about it. So in essence, you're try- you feel like the minority is louder than the majority, and it may not be true. And so her taking control of the narrative here is her coming into her own even more as the character. So I enjoyed that. Um, I do like the back and forth that she has throughout the episode with everybody, as you said, with Blonsky, with Wong, all of it. It's a Tatiana Maslany show. Do I sometimes think Alison Brie could have handled the comedy just a, a, like a half a beat better or a half a note better? Absolutely. I mean, the moments where she's like flipping out going, okay, stop, 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 and trying to stop the guards and stop the parole board from freaking out and all of that. I can absolutely see Alison Brie doing that and hitting it no perfect. I think that's where I think that's the only times where I see a little bit of the cracks in Maslani's performance in terms of comedy. But overall, she brings the right, right weight and heft an emotional journey that Jen is going through. And I think we saw that certainly through this uh, episode for sure. Um, And I'm looking forward to seeing what more we're going to get from her. And now that she's embracing this, which is what we've got by the end of the show with her doing that interview with that anchor there, which I thought was, did you think that comedy was a little easy when he was like, we're going to get her exercise and dieting tips or eating tips. And she's like, I'm sorry, what? Because most of the times they tell you what the fuck they're going to ask you in those puff interviews, uh, Shannon. So did that surprise you as a kind of an easy joke? It, it, it was a missed opportunity to me. And I was wondering, is this a budget thing? Because the oh, comedy of that, it. it should have been a picture in picture. Yeah. Um, you, you needed to have her expression because yep. the line reading was funny. And the fact that this guy 
would sort of spring this on a guest. Uh, you awesome. know, you look yeah. at someone who's all, you know, who's all jacked. You'd be like, well, yeah, we're going to talk about your uh, nutrition and fitness. But what? Um, <laughs> I, I think the, the, the crux of that comedy is going to come from the visual reaction. Fair enough. And because we didn't have that, like I could, like I could kind of see that joke coming. Yeah. Um, and I was like, Oh, I wonder how they're going to do this. Oh, they're just not going to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and, but I also think like, I feel like, uh, just it was either Jessica Gow or Kat Coro who had said there were times that they had to make She-Hulk Jen just because of budget. Right. And I'm like, okay, maybe they didn't have it in the budget to do this reaction shot because, you know, finding sort of the nuance and the nuance in those performances in, you know, uh, an effect. I mean, it's it can be costly. So yeah. Yeah. that was but it, it did stick out to me, though. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, anything more to say on Jen or on uh, Tatiana Maslany here in this uh, storyline for her? Uh, no, I mean, again, it was just so, it was just so nice to see Benedict Wong. Um, and, and I'm really excited to see him again. The, the one thing that did kind of stand out to me, like when we saw Wong fight Abomination and Shang-Chi, it's just like, oh, what does this mean? What does this mean? I personally am like, oh, is Wong working with the Thunderbolts? Is this sort of in like, he's like, well, no, I had to fight him for like my training for the Sorcerer Supreme. It was like, Ah, okay. Yeah. I, I kind of took the ball and ran <laughs> in my head. <laughs> so it, that's just, that's what it was. Okay, great. Yeah, check. Moving on. Yeah. So clearly we didn't have a sorcerer. Well, we, uh, Earth in the MC universe did not have a sorcerer supreme for a number of years because clearly he was still proving himself as a sorcerer supreme when the stuff with Shang-Chi happened. And look, they were really smart not to put any dates on his LinkedIn. There were no dates, which you can put on your LinkedIn. There were no dates of him being a target, him being the librarian, but clearly him being there, uh, what, five to eight years longer than strange at Comitage is the reason he is Sorcerer Supreme. So it's a nice little kind of headcanon thing that you can think about that they threw in there with it, which I thought was really good. And yeah, whenever Wong shows up, it always elevates whatever you're watching. And it was really funny for sure. Uh, all right, well, let's take a quick break uh, for our listeners and we'll get back uh, and talk about the B plot with Dennis Rune and Megan the Stallion. Right after this. Now, if I knew any Megan the Stallion song, oh, come on. where I would hum, but <laughs> how about you just twerk for us? I think we we, could, we just twerk. For I don't us. think anybody <laughs> wants that. <laughs> I don't know. I maybe you're right. You're right. Or let's 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 get into this thing here. The Dennis storyline. It's kind of chock full. Surprising for a B plot. And by the way, there was a great little um uh, uh aside to the camera when she was like A and B plot connecting. Nice. I thought that was a nice little moment here but in the dennis b plot here uh we do get as shannon mentioned mallory book introduced she is a a central part of the she hulk storyline here so and the marvel marvel universe so it's going to be fun to see how uh renee lee skillsbury plays into all of this as the show goes on josh segura pug gets a little bit more of a prominent storyline here after he was introduced last episode helping the ladies find the right bathroom to poop by the way a lot of people not on your side on this one shannon a lot of people felt that he was actually doing the right thing for the young ladies helping them find out where the nice place is to go poop. So you can address that in a little bit. If, if we, there's a lot of uncouth people out there, then great. <laughs> oh, what a uh, Dennis has come into the, uh, somehow he has come to this uh, um, uh, law firm because of the fact that they deal with superhumans and supervillains here. Uh, and he is accusing um, a, a shape-shifting elf from Asgard of defrauding him of $175,000 because she uh, simulated being Megan the Stallion, uh, a shape-shifting light elf from Asgard. He apparently bought her a Passat, uh, helped her out with a bunch of other stuff. Um, and then we see this, this, uh, this uh, rune character show up 
as uh, Dennis, when he leaves the office, we see her show up as the judge. And first thing, the judge, we have those little pretrial hearings there. Uh, and then we see uh, him, her imitating even a pug when she walks out after she's imitated Dennis with a harassment joke that I don't know. I mean, ladies are writing this, ladies are directing it. I thought it was a little weird to have a harassment joke there uh, in that situation. But, hey, you know, if it's funny for you all, it's funny for you all. Uh, and then the Runa storyline carries through and we see Dennis uh eventually uh win the case here and we see the appearance of megan the stallion in the courtroom we see in helping to win the case jen comes and testifies against dennis that yes dennis is that deluded that he would believe that he could get megan the stallion uh and then at the end we see jen signing a contract with megan the stallion and them twerking together in the uh post-credit scene so uh as a b plot how did you feel about this dennis storyline how did you feel about how it was constructed and how it was pulled off and uh, how, how much the connection to asgard is happening here in this she-hulk you know i thought we were going to be ground-based but you know we're talking to wong we're talking to, Sh- to asgard stuff or dealing with asgard stuff we're talking abomination it feels like it's not going to be as ground-based as we were initially led to believe here shannon what do you think about this b-plot storyline I thought the reason it worked was because of Josh Sagara. Yeah, um, he's so good. So I know a lot of people know him from Arrow on the CW. Where I really know him from is the other two on HBO Max. Oh, so okay. if you have not seen that show, it's two seasons right now. Um, he, and he's he's a supporting cast, but he's uh-huh. he's excellent. But it's like Molly Shannon. It is one of the funniest shows on TV. So and, and he's where Molly's the mom of the girl. Yeah. Of the main, oh. Yeah, okay. it's right. she's the mom of the three kids. One of them is sort of a Justin Bieber-like character, and the other two is talking about his two older siblings, that your oh, youngest okay. sibling, you know, rises uh, uh, and becomes like the superstar, and it's like, oh. what do the other two do? And Josh Sakara is uh, the daughter's uh, ex-boyfriend. Gotcha. On-again, on off-again boyfriend. And he is so funny, um, which which I think that's why this that's why the B plot line works. Mm-hmm. Um the Dennis actor, um, who I believe his name is Drew Matthews, I'm kind of with you, John. I don't know if this is if this is a deficiency in the writing or if this is a deficiency in the performer. Yeah. Um, or or it, he was just not the right guy because there is something that I'm like, I'm just not comedically connecting to this guy. Yeah. And I, that's not to say he is not good. Uh, and and that's not to say that the writers aren't doing the right job, but it just doesn't seem like those two are are meshing well in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the whole idea that this, uh, this uh, shape-shifting elf from Asgard fleeced him for, you know, almost $200,000. I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's funny. Mm-hmm. The performer who played Runa, she was another one that I was like, yeah, you're, you're fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this reminds me of some of the casting in Falcon and Winter Soldier of some of those smaller, like one episode parts. I was like, you're fine. You did the job. Like I, I would have, I think I would have liked to have seen someone a little more dynamic, um, but she showed up and, and, and she, you know, it worked. Right. Uh, I just think there was probably an opportunity to really plus a lot of that comedy. The harassment joke, I got to say, dude, I found, I found funny okay. because of Josh Segarra. Right. Like Fair you enough. have him coming out, Runa in, in the, in the, uh, in the uh, pug uh, pug outfit saying, yeah. Oh, I love to harass women. And then when the real guy comes out, he's like, you guys know me. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that was why I thought that joke was really, really funny. I, okay. I had not taken into consideration that, that it could be a sensitive topic. Um, but like so, I said, so- female writer, female head writer, female director. So I'm not, I'm a, I'm a dude weighing in on this. So it probably means nothing has no weight to it, but I just felt it was 
little dangerous of a thing to be making fun of. But again, if it's the, if it's a, a female director, female writer's way of reclaiming that and making a joke about it, then all power to you. Uh, I just those were my just initial thoughts. Um, the the resolution, the fact that Jen was able to demonstrate, like, hey, yes, this guy could actually have thought this. This was not <laughs> role play. Like, he one hundred percent thinks that he he could he could he could uh, he could get this woman. Yeah. Um, and then the because I know when it came out a week or two ago that you know Megan Thee Stallion has entered the MCU. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The way that I think some folks chose to frame that headline and the way the fans reacted, like, has she entered the MCU? Yeah, as yeah. her. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so I, I think, yeah, I Having think there's seen a, the episodes. I was like, oh god, this is terrible. But you can't chime it, in because it's that's, like you know, yeah, that's not the way to say. It. That's yeah. not the way to say it. But then to watch how people lost their minds about it, it was like, <laughs> okay, like, take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I thought the the cut to her was oh. super fun. I thought yeah, she I was agree. really, really funny. I like to see um, more of her. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, well, now she's a client. Yeah, of yeah. Jen Walters. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and then you know we get to the we get to the twerking scene, which I'm kind of like, okay, yeah. I mean, I I, I get it. <laughs> but again, to watch folks on on social media lose their minds, like this is part of the MCU. <laughs> Apparently, it's like, look, think about at any given time how many different titles Marvel Comics produces. Yeah. Now, I, like, I, I would be hard pressed to find someone that reads all of them maybe there could be folks out there but reads all of them and is a legitimate fan of all of them i think the mcu has gotten to this place because it is so uh kind of wide reaching now that there are going to be properties that you know just don't work for people and if you don't want a superhero comedy then she hulk might not be for you like as a fan of comedy i'm like it's it's okay it's it's fun um do i think it's the best no no i think some of the comedy in the in previous mcu series like miss marvel yeah like like bits of hawkeye i'm like i think that comedy was handled way better but this is their first sort of at bat making a superhero comedy so the road could be a little bumpy from time to time um so again to watch people just kind of lose their minds over the twerking i was like look it's it's a harmless visual tag i mean you think about the the mid-credit sequences that each episode has had. Um, Captain American, fuck. Like, that was yeah, fun. Like, that, that fun. made me laugh. Yeah. Her carrying stuff for Mark Lynn Baker. It's like, okay, it's 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 fine. It's harmless. Yeah. This, I mean, I, I think you would have to, to speak with someone who is, like, a super big She-Hole fan, which, you know, Mr. Vogel is. Yeah, sure. That the twerking, that's probably on brand for that character. Again, I got a feeling Vogel for sure. no problem with that. <laughs> Oh, I think he would think it was great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I imagine he would he would start twerking in his living room when he saw the two of them twerking. He's probably twerking. Which again, right now. we don't need to see. He's probably twerking right now in the playa. Let's be real. Uh, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> Dusty yeah, twerking. Anything more to say on this uh, on this storyline? No, I mean uh, Josh Shigara, great. Um, Drew Matthews, ah. Eh. You know, yeah. I again, you you corrected me last week, and you were right. I'm like, I don't know if we'll see that character again. I don't know what serve what purpose they serve going forward. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm trying to I'm trying to read your poker face right now, trying to see if you're going to give me a a Teddy KGB I, tell. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, never mind, I'm not going to say that. But uh, here's, here's, I almost gave it away. So here's what I thought. I, yeah, I agree with you. I think I don't think he, I don't think the actor is doing a bad job necessarily. 
I just think there's something in the combination of the writing and the performance and the humor of it all that isn't 100% working for me. And I get it. Look, I get it. I get, I get what he's supposed to represent. I get what's being worked out here, what, what uh, uh, axe is being grinded, what anger is being uh, kind of saw, uh, soothed over by you know giving this guy who probably a lot of women have worked with, grown up with, dated, maybe is in their family, either close or extended, and has dealt with guys like this. Certainly Ched, as he spelled, apology, we didn't say that right last week. Ched is, is not pretty, he's not that much different than uh, than Dennis. And so where I, I do think, you know, and, and, you know, maybe I'm, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but sometimes seeing a bunch of dumb dudes, I, I don't, it does, I, I get what you're going for, but I think sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't know. I, I get it, but I, are we still trying to work this out? So for me, I'm still kind of coming to terms with it. And Dennis representing that, I, I understand why he's representing that, but it's good to have the balance of pug there. Cause then you get a good dude who's actually on point, you know, who does not harass women at work, who's very cool and respectful and certainly falling into an easy friendship with Jen and Nikki is a nice balance to Dennis. So I, I appreciate that for sure. Um, I just think, you know, Den- I don't sure what purpose Dennis is going to serve other than working out some stuff that people have uh, uh, issues about and legitimate issues about. And so be it. Um, and I agree with you on the acting uh, for Rune. I thought uh, she it, it was kind of not that interesting. And it's no offense to her. Uh, Peg O'Keefe is the actress's name. I just, it felt odd. And I think the reason it wasn't interesting is we didn't get anything with her separate outside of her making little jokes or showing up being other characters. It'd be kind of interesting to find out other than the fact that she's a daughter of a light elf diplomat. It'd be nice to find out why she's showing up here, why she seduced Josh or Dennis rather. Why is this happening here at this time now? Like what is attracting her to this guy who is connected to She-Hulk in a certain way. What's the coincidence here? So a little bit more. I know people are going to be like, there goes Roka wanting backstories with these characters. I understand, but uh, something like a light elf, that's kind of a big deal. And as Guardian Light Elf showing up and getting a prominent place in an episode of the MCU, I just would like to have seen, I shouldn't get too emotional, I'm going to exhaust myself, but I would like to have seen a little more of like, why is she doing this? What is her point? Giving Peg O'Keefe a little bit more time to have some interactions, maybe even with her lawyer, who I thought did a really nice job in a very short amount of screen time, having her have some interactions with her, having discussing strategies or whatever. It could have been funny to get a little bit more with her to find out why she's doing what she's doing. Um, And I thought at times in the B storyline, defaulting to everyone being stupid, I I think kind of undercuts the comedy. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. a lawyer doesn't realize that Rune, who was just there, got up and walked around all the way to the, like she didn't see that happening. And she's acting like, oh my gosh, she looks to her right literally to see that it's probably, it's her up there. So I just was like, you don't need to do that. You know, there's a way she could have tried to stop her or whatever. There's a way to play the comedy that still works without having to make everybody stupid around it. So there were moments like that that I think bothered me overall. So yeah, I agree with you. The acting, some of the stuff there didn't 100% work, but the comedy certainly did work for the most part. And uh, Josh Segura was great. And having Jen come in to testify was hilarious on so many levels. Megan the Stallion, agree. Great cameo. Loved her being a part of it. As I said, I want more of it. So if nothing else, it kind of settles the Josh, oh, sorry, the uh, Dennis storyline for now. And we'll see how that pops up uh, going forward in, in the show and what role he's got to play. Because I can't imagine we've heard the last of Dennis, especially because he gave her the idea to help Abomination get his parole or Emil Blonsky get his parole, which is that he would have to have this uh, thing on him that stops him from becoming or monitor that uh, monitors if he becomes Abomination or not. So 
he does contribute, even though he's clumsy and stupid about it. He does contribute in a way. So I have a feeling he's going to come back at some point down the road for sure. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break and we'll jump into some Easter eggs and some final thoughts on this episode here of She-Hulk after this. <sighs> really didn't. <laughs> You really didn't plan this well. <laughs> so the worst at this. Oh I mean, the great thing about this is you're sympathetic. I mean, you know, Vogel is, is merciless. Well, you know, he runs shows. He likes to be merciless with his people. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get into some Easter eggs here. Uh, as we wrap up this discussion on uh, episode three of She-Hulk, we certainly had uh, that Wong, um, you know, we talked about already. His LinkedIn profile is very funny. Uh, we see that She-Hulk also ep- features the episode here. Also featuring the episode, rather, is um, a cameo with Gideon Wilson, who was the attorney who prosecuted Abomination. We see those two black gentlemen on the screen. and Gideon Wilson is the guy who prosecuted Abomination back in 2011. In the comics now, and I don't know if they're they're making the connection here, in the comics, he's a former minister and a brother of Sam Wilson, the Falcon. So, And he becomes superhuman himself when he becomes a member of the the Gamma Corps. Gamma, radiation, Gamma, She-Hulk, Gamma Hulk. So is that going to come into play? Have we been teased a character, an actor, who's going to be coming up later on in She-Hulk this season or next season? We shall see. Also, Wong, he claims that that the fight with Abomination was a trials for him to become Sorcerer Supreme, which Shannon mentioned earlier. We mentioned he drops the mirror dimension, the shadow dimension. And also at the end, we talk about the Wrecking Crew showing up as well. And we also get these uh, comments from one of the reporters who's trying to talk to Jennifer Walters as she's walking out of prison multiple times, who mentions the mafia hit storyline of how she became She-Hulk in the comics. So that's how she became. So that's a nice little Easter egg. They also mentioned her uh, not being asked to be a member of the Avengers. Uh, so that's an interesting. Rejected. Oh, rejected. Rejected. sorry. She's rejected. Sorry for being a member of the Avengers. So some interesting Easter eggs. What stood out to you, Shannon? I mean, should we start with the Wrecking Crew uh, and have a discussion about it? their uh, importance in the Marvel Universe and certainly in the Marvel comic books? Yeah, I mean, the Wrecking Crew seems like that's the thing. That's where our big story seems to be heading. Whoever mm-hmm. they're working for um, wants She-Hulk's blood. They want have they want the ability to to uh, be able to Hulk out themselves. Apparently, and right. that this after is, this she is Wrecker, Piledriver, Bulldozer, and Thunderball. That's the four members yeah. of the Wrecking Crew who have looked a lot better in the comics. And they did in the show, let me tell you right now. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, they actually do look like a construction crew. Yeah. Um, and, and it's interesting because all of their sort of, you know, uh, accoutrement um, outside of the helmet, it does look very alien. Like, it yeah. looks like, oh, they, they this might be some Chitari stuff. This might be very similar to, like, Spider-Man Homecoming with Adrian Toomes' oh, right. crew. That Toomes they crew. have these... They have these uh, uh, these uh, tools that are not of this world. So, I mean, that is kind of uh, uh, normal for the MCU, that you mm-hmm. look at what you have on the table. Because I feel like in the comics, um, is it Wrecker who has the crowbar? And it's like a magic crowbar or something like that? Uh, yeah, Wrecker's the first one. He grips this enchanted crowbar in a lightning yeah. storm and then becomes... Um, and a, a bolt struck the tool as the three other men held it as well. And they become part of the Wrecking Crew. One of them is a uh, is Thunderball is an ex physicist. Henry Camp is an ex uh, ex Army Master Sergeant, and then Brian Kaleski becomes becomes Pile Driver is an ex farmhand. So none of that came through in those four guys that they uh, they cast in this these roles. So certainly, I don't think the Wrecking Crew is going to be as big as they are in the comics at times. 
uh, both physically and presence wise. Um, and I think that's because it's serving more of the comedic approach to uh, She-Hulk for sure. Sorry, go ahead. Well, and also they're the they're the lackeys for whoever right. they're being this, seen as the lackeys. Yeah. yeah, whoever this big this big bad is. Yeah. Um, like uh, you know, Titania showed up at the end of episode one. We've not seen her since. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, do we think that she's in charge of these guys? My guess is no, mm. but. Like, like I'm assuming they're teasing someone else that maybe hasn't been announced yet. Um, yeah, maybe. But that seems to be like that was the most um, that was the most consequential part of of the episode was okay. Yeah. This is where it's going. Someone wants Jen Walters' blood to make themselves another Hulk. Yeah, is this part of the Thunderbolts? Do you think this is um, um, Julie, Julie Louis-Dreyfus? Do you think that's her being a part of this, trying to get the? Uh, um, gamma or the blood or whatever to use it to turn into a she-hulk certainly that's the premise of how abomination became abomination right so if you remove abomination to make him a nice guy um is this a red hulk situation are we going to get someone else who wants to become red hulk is that who's in charge of this there's a lot of questions about who might be in charge of this wrecking crew uh and remember the wrecking crew is also involved in the original secret war storyline back in 1984 don't make me pull out my original issues of that. I will pull it out and show you. The Wrecking Crew is part of the Secret War storyline. So in Marvel, the Wrecking Crew has had, had quite a lot of battles with like Loki and Thor and Spider-Woman. And they've, they've morphed into different names for their crew. So they've got a long history in Marvel comics. So it's going to be fascinating to see how they're going to play out in this. Is it just going to be com- for comedic effect? And it's really about an overall big bad, which we haven't seen yet in the show, Shannon. We're three episodes in. No real big bad has been shown just yet. So do you have any guesses who you think it might be? I have no idea. I okay. mean, my my guess going in was that it was going to be Titania. But, uh, yeah. and, and she's coming back. Like they wouldn't of have course. cast Jamila Jamil and they wouldn't have yeah. made so much of her being in it for her to show up at the end of the first episode and never be seen from again. Like right, right. it, but, but that was something I was wondering. I'm like, will this show have a big bad? Maybe it won't. Like maybe yeah. this will just be sort of the, uh, law, you know, the, the, uh, courtroom, pr- courtroom comic procedural. Yeah. That's very possible. And Titania would sort of fill that void of like sort of a big bad, but somebody that Jen has to duke it out with at the end. Yeah. But the idea that someone is actively trying to get Jen's blood lends more to the theory that there is a bigger story at play. Yeah. And I think, I think, regardless of her wanting to be, a super uh, wanting to be a just a lawyer who is she hulk when she's lawyering the superhero aspect of this is knocking on her door louder and louder every episode and i think that came through certainly in the wrecking crew moment as you mentioned her initial reaction is to start screaming because she's being attacked um but then her reaction is you know a pretty strong reaction when she realizes <laughs> she's she hulk and then we go back again to her looking at herself in the window of that car and realizing, I think we're getting her realizing this is not going to stop. And, and mm-hmm. certainly that guy, the, the dialogue between her and the wrecking crew where the guy's like, if you're going to flaunt your superpowers. And certainly that's a, that's certainly a commentary um, that you hear from people all the time. You know, well, if you're going to wear that dress, if you're going to look that way, you know, if you're going to say those things, if you're going to put yourself out in the public, you're asking for criticism. You're asking to be attacked. You're asking for this or that. You know, and I was reading recently there that uh, um, some robberies uh, in Georgia have increased amongst the people who are 
famous celebrities living there because they are flaunting their stuff on social media. That was one of the commentaries. And certainly with Kim Kardashian, her being uh, kidnapped or her being uh, robbed and tied to a chair. I read that in the, in France, I think one of the, one of the main Robin, I think I was in these, I think he's fifties or sixties. The guy, he said she, she boasted about her wealth on social media. So that gave us the idea to go after her. So you see the kind of warped logic that criminals have or people in those positions have to go after people of power, people of wealth, people of status, either from jealousy or anger or frustration or the fact that their success reflects back on them negatively because they see how unsuccessful they are. That is kind of an interesting subplot running through those interactions uh, in that one exchange with her and uh, and whoever. I think that was Wrecker who was leading them. Uh, in him saying, you know, you're going to flaunt your powers. He's like, flaunting my powers? What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, and I thought it was interesting, and maybe this was something that they did out of convenience, but the when you look at her turning into She-Hulk in the first episode, how it's it's sort of reactive, like from the air horn and and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Whereas now she has such a hold over it that she didn't think to do it at first. Like she has such control over it that it has to be an active choice for her to, for her to Hulk out, which I thought was an interesting, I mean, it was very, very funny how she's like, ah, well, wait, let let me, let me change. So I thought she's still getting used to that as a possible tool for her to use Mm -hmm. in situations. That's a great point. Yeah. Once it becomes, once it becomes sort of, uh, once she stops doing it instinctually, um, it has to be more conscious. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Just like abomination showed us in the prison, you know, him being able to turn it on and come right back down when he needs to, you know? So she's, it's kind of a mirror of where Jen is probably going to get to at some point by the end of the show, a lot more comfortable in becoming She-Hulk for sure. All right. Any final thoughts on this before we wrap up? No, no. I mean, again, I'm, I'm very curious to see where it's going. Yeah, me too as well. All right. Well, let us know what you thought about it uh, in the comments section below. Uh, let us know if you agree with what we had to say, if you had some issues with what we had to say, if you miss Michael, <laughs> and we know a lot of you do, let us know what you thought about it down in the comments section below. What stood out for you? What did we miss? Uh, a lot of you pointed out that we missed the Wolverine stuff oh. and, the guy, and the Eternal stuff last episode. Thanks for calling us out on that. Sorry about that. You know, sometimes I don't always finish up all the research so i i did i made a lot more of a concerted effort this time to make sure we had all the stuff lined up what did you think about it what worked for you what didn't work for you and what what do you think of the easter eggs let us know down in the comment section below shannon what do we have to tell yeah if you'd like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you would like to follow the absent mr vogel it is at mk tune if you would like to follow mr roca it is at the roca says that's right and uh yeah i already told you all and remember to subscribe to the channel down below hit that subscribe button hit that bell button also as you see us taking these breaks it's because we've got a podcast feed Please subscribe to the podcast feed. I can't encourage you all enough. The numbers help us get ads, which helps us stay alive as a show, stay alive as a program. So please subscribe wherever you download podcasts. Just type in the Geek Buddies, subscribe to us, leave a review. A five-star review would be a five-star review would be great. And then leave a commentary, give it us some love for the show uh, and what you enjoy about the show as well. So do all of those things to help us out. We would really appreciate it all right and a big big thanks to carbon health who powers and sponsors everything we do here on the outlaw nation and certainly on the geek buddies we appreciate them madly i got some new talking points so i want to throw some quick things in for you guys to know about they have 110 plus locations nationwide 
80 locations in California alone. They've got urgent care needs at all of their ro- locations, advanced care for most urgent care facilities. They have ability to do x-rays uh, and the ability to look for strep throat, UTIs, STDs. They even have tests to treat options for COVID, which is not going away because I fucking got it, people. So it is not going anywhere. It is still around. They have primary care in California, and they have over 2 million people tested. They can administer viral antiviral tests if need be, uh, and uh, they believe that everyone deserves a healthcare provider who is an active partner in supporting you in your efforts to feel better and live healthier. And certainly, coming out of this episode, we got uh, uh, Emil Blonsky wanted to live a better life. We got Jen kind of coming into terms of her living a better life. Wong's living his life out there. You know, you can't even convict him of helping facilitate an escape because my man takes the F on out of there when he needs to. So everyone's trying to live a healthier and better life. Come aboard the Carbon Health Train and go to CarbonHealth.com and live a healthier life yourself. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode or episode here from the Geek Buddies! Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.